This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. There is a um, I think coming up tomorrow. We are we are we try to you know as often as we can bring you good news. By the way, if the lines are ringing, let them ring. Luke will get to you as quickly as he can because they are lighting up. We try to you know keep things light, keep things pretty upbeat as often as we can on the show. This topic that we're going to start with tonight, I'm not entirely positive that we can do too much to be upbeat about it. When you fill up tomorrow morning, you will expect a shock at the gas pumps if you have to go. Tonight would be the night to do it because gas prices are going up and not a little bit. They are going up by quite a bit and we may be the ones who get the best break out of this thing because around the country, uh, we're maybe talking three or four cents a liter around the country. They're talking about a lot more than that. Well, Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business, a guy we like to bring in every time we have an economics or financial issue that I simply don't understand or can't explain. He is the man who can. He joins us now. Marvin, thanks for doing this tonight. My pleasure, sir. So why is this happening? Why are we all of a sudden across the country seeing gas prices, per, and not just going up, but we know they're going to go up? Why is this happening? Well, let me actually just say... We think they're going to go up, and I think tomorrow they probably will. Whether they'll stay up is a different question. So let me take you back. Let me take you back about a year and a half ago. In January of 2015, we watched, uh, at least Canada watched a bit in horror as oil prices around the world dropped from over $100 a barrel. The lowest they got was $27 a barrel U.S., now, that was, in a way, great news for you or I at the pump. Whenever oil prices go down, we're going to save uh, what we're paying at the pump. But it really hurt the Canadian economy so much that we even fell into a recession. Now, why did all of that happen? Well, in essence, it's the old law of supply and demand. Demand in the developing world and the developed world wasn't changing all that much, but supply numbers changed. Supply for a couple of reasons. One, Canada and the United States had got into finding alternate sources of oil. In Canada, it was the oil sands. In the United States, it was the oil shell, shale. And as they did their fracking, what have you, between us, we brought on nearly a million barrels a day of oil that hadn't been in there before. Uh, we also saw uh, embargo off Iran. So Iran, who had for more than a decade been a bad country to deal with, the United States settled their differences and said, okay, we'll, we'll take that off. So we have more supply, no change in demand, oil prices fall. And what I had been expecting for the better part of the last 18 months was that OPEC, this lovely cartel that represents only 14 countries, but those 14 countries represent 40% of the world's oil output, to to level it up and get those prices back more in the $60 to $70 a barrel range, they would agree to voluntarily cut back on their production. But that didn't happen. It isn't so much Saudi Arabia, who is the biggest of those. I think Saudi Arabia wanted it to happen. But some of those 14 nations include Venezuela, whose economy is in rough shape, Nigeria, whose economy is in rough shape. And they honestly said, we need to pump every ounce of oil. I don't care if it's $100 a barrel or $27 a barrel. We need every dollar we can to help our economy. So uh, we watched, and Saudi Arabia couldn't do anything. There was a glut. There still is a glut of oil. There's too much supply of oil. And we wondered what was going to happen. And then yesterday, so yesterday, there's an announcement from a meeting being held at the OPEC nations that they're going to voluntarily reduce their production. First time in nearly a decade, they're going to reduce their production by about 750,000 barrels a day. Yesterday, that sent the market reeling. Oh, my gosh, you know, we haven't seen one of these for such a long time. Oil prices shot up about $3 a barrel. Uh, we saw some other sorts of things with the Canadian dollar, what have you. And then we have today. 
so I don't want to scare you too much here, Scott, but this isn't the first time that OPEC has said something like this. And when you read the details of the, of the deal very, very closely, what OPEC said is not that they're going to cut a production by 750,000 barrels a day starting immediately. It was that we hope to cut 750,000 barrels by the time of our next meeting, which is at the end of November. Well, let me just tell you, historically, OPEC, those 14 nations who have this cartel, don't get along all that well. And we've seen other deals in the past over all kinds of things fall apart. So today we woke up and said, wait a minute, this is a potential deal to cut production in two months. Today, for instance, oil prices fell. Not a lot, but they fell about 23 cents a barrel. Again, we're all kind of wondering. So yes, I know it will go up tomorrow, but I don't know if it will stay up. And frankly, I don't know if this deal will hold uh, a cartel is a, a group of, of companies, or in this case, countries, who get together to collude to try to price fix. And they're kind of like a gang of thieves. There is no great honor among thieves. I would not be surprised if, like previous deals, this one fell apart long before it ever happens. Okay, and that's a tremendous explanation of the background of this. No, it is. It really is. It explains the whole, the, what's going on. Now, when I get to my gas pump, though, right. have the gas companies in Canada, all because... When, the, when OPEC said that it was going to be cutting production, did the price of barrels of oil already go up enough so that the Canadian companies had to pay more? Or did they just say, hey, they've said it's going up, so we're going to gouge the consumers now and raise the prices? Well, let me, let, I'll let you use the gouge word. I'm going to just pull back ever so slightly to say again, once upon a time when oil was stable, when the prices didn't move very much day by day, week by week, month by month, and that isn't that many years ago, roughly 10 years ago, when there was a change in the price of a barrel of oil, it took about six months from the time, or excuse me, it's not six months, six weeks, from the time of the uh, price and the change of a barrel of oil for it to hit the pumps. That's actually how long it takes the oil that you're purchasing today or tomorrow to work its way through the refineries, turn itself into gasoline, and get delivered to your retail store. Now, once we start getting this volatility, and that's, that goes back a little more than a year and a half ago, that goes back about five years ago, where oil prices would shoot up and they would fall back. Whenever it would fall back, we Canadians said, we want the price to go down right now, right now. And the oil companies would say, well, wait, wait a minute, the oil that's going through the system, we bought, and it's, it, no, no, we want it now. So what the oil companies did is they changed their policy. Rather than paying you the cost uh, at the time it works its way through the system, they now instantaneously change. That's even why the price of a liter of gasoline can change day by day, even sometimes within a day, two or three times, depending upon what happens on the world markets. Now, the good news, when oil prices go down, you see an adjustment on the pump downwards. But the bad news is, when world prices go up, it goes up, even though their cost of production hasn't changed. And I know, it, I know what we consumers would like. We'd like it to immediately go down when the price falls, but we'd like to wait six weeks before the price rises, and we can't have it both ways. Okay, the other thing I really, and you know what, that um, we will be, I'm sure everybody will be keeping a close eye to see if the cost goes down again, to see how quickly they, um, because they sure are quick to, to raise it, as we all know. So right. we'll see if they're as quick this time to bring it down. But one of the puzzling things to me, when I read through, because I was online today reading a bunch of stories from a bunch of different places in Canada, reports in Winnipeg say prices there will be going up 8 to 10 cents a liter. In Vancouver, they're saying it'll go up about 5 cents a liter. In the interior of BC, it's 10 cents. Calgary is looking at 13 cents. We are maybe at 3. Why is it different across the country? 
Well, so that that also is, is uh, where you refine. We are lucky in that most of the refineries that turn oil into gasoline are located nearby. In fact, we have a couple just up the road in Oakville and Mississauga. Uh, so it, it doesn't cost very much to take the product and get it back to us. There are no refineries in Alberta or Saskatchewan or Manitoba, and and there are some. There's in- none in Alberta where they where no. they. Wow. Okay. No. This, this is, in fact, why, and again, I don't want to turn this into an environmental discussion, but this is why uh, we have all those train car loads full of Alberta crude going across the country and making its way to the east because there aren't any refineries there. Likewise, this is why they want to talk about these pipelines to move this crude because they want to move it back. See, once upon a time, we imported a lot of oil. Where did that oil come when we imported it? Well, on the coast. So you needed the refineries to be near the, the boats that bring the oil from Venezuela or Saudi Arabia, what have you. Now that we are becoming, much like the United States, back to almost self-sufficient, we have the problem that the refineries are badly located compared to the sources, and this is why they want to talk about the pipeline. So it's the distribution cost to get the finished product back to those, those gasoline stations. You know, we refine the, the oil in Ontario, now I've got to ship the gasoline back. That's why it costs more there. So the immediate sense that I get is that, of course, everyone's going to be ticked off tomorrow and they get to the pump and they're going to have to pay more for gas and they're going to be um, grumbling under their breath. Right. But in the macro sense for our economy, you've been on this show many times and we've talked about the effect and the importance of oil in the Canadian economy. Is this, even though it doesn't necessarily help us, is this good for the Canadian economy in a big picture? Yeah, so let me see if I can break that into two chunks. First, about tomorrow... Yes, three cents a liter, it's not trivial, but, but honestly, Scott, and in case you don't know this, there's at least a three cent a liter difference from buying your gasoline uh, near the Meadowlands, where the Costco gas station keeps prices low, versus Westdale. I've saved as much as six cents a liter driving up the mountain. So I'm not sure we're actually going to notice the three cents. If it was 30 cents, you'd notice it. Sure. But at three cents, it's kind of like what happens before a long weekend when mysteriously prices seem to rise just before a weekend <laughs> when you're going to drive. And then as soon as the weekend is over, oh, we got an oversupply and they fall back down. So I'm not sure you're going to notice it. But let's talk about the longer-term trend. Canada's economy is still hurting. You know, we, we had the big problem in the second quarter of this year with the fires uh, around Fort McMurray. What's around Fort McMurray? The oil sands. They actually shut down all the production, again, doing the right thing, sending those workers away so they weren't uh, in any danger because oil and fire do not mix. And then finally they got them restarted again into the third quarter. But we've seen in Alberta an absolute freeze on any further development. Money that was pouring in, measured by millions of dollars a week to do more exploration and construction and all those good things, that had all hit a frozen part. And that's why Alberta's economy, not Ontario's economy, but Alberta's economy has been in recession for at least the last seven quarters. Now, what, what I said to you back then was we need oil to stabilize at around $60 a barrel. At that point, it becomes economical to restart the investment in Alberta. We're at $47 a barrel. So at this moment, we're not quite where it's supposed to be. But if OPEC is true to its word and we start to see oil prices rise, yes, it means a little more at the pump, but it also means Alberta gets a big kickstart. And when that happens, we're also going to see it at the Toronto Stock Exchange. Nearly one-third of the stocks traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange deal with oil or other sort of petrochemical products. And so now we could be in a situation where the dollar would go up a little. I don't think it's going to go up a lot, but maybe maybe it'll get a little closer to $0.80. Cents. 
still in a nice sweet spot for our exports. We're still giving people a nice discount, but maybe a little more purchasing power. So all in all, this won't be such a bad news for our economy. A little better purchasing power with the dollar, a little more activity in Alberta, no harm to the Ontario economy and its, uh, its exports. This would be fine. But again, if it all happens, I can tell you the opposite. If it all falls apart, <laughs> then oil will fall back down into the low $40 a barrel. Alberta stays in the deep freeze, you know, all those other things. Do, do you know off the top of your head what we pay as far as taxes? What percent of our gas here in Ontario we pay in actual taxes? Like, what's the actual amount that we're paying for the gas? Mm-hmm. And what are we paying towards various levels of government? You know, I used to know that for you. We certainly pay HST on our gasoline purchases. And what's amazing, we pay tax on tax. So we pay the, pay the HST on top of federal and provincial taxes on the gasoline. So then they, we double up. I want to tell you it's around... 30 cents a liter uh, in total between the federal and provincial government and then the HST on top of it. It's something like that. Some of those taxes are fixed. In other words, it's just so many cents per liter. Some of them are a percentage, like the HST, which is uh, 13% on the price of gasoline. So it does add up. The actual cost embedded in that is about 70 cents. So a a dollar a liter, 70 cents kind of represents the money that goes to the uh, to the uh, company that's making the gasoline and the retailer, the other 30 cents probably goes to the provincial and federal government, and that's split almost equally. Last thing before I let you go, Marvin, and maybe you said it, and maybe I just missed it, but why is all this happening now? Is there some sort of geopolitical force or event that's happened in the world that has caused OPEC to say, at this moment, we have to actually do this? Well, I'm, I'm going to say no. There hasn't been a specific event I can point to as a trigger. It's just that Uh, we were wondering how long they would continue to bleed. That would be the way I would describe it. These low prices, you've got a fixed amount of oil in the ground. The more you pump now, it's going to hurt you. And it certainly seemed there was a little power play going on. Once Iran's uh, oil embargo came off, Iran didn't really want to listen to people like Saudi Arabia. Uh, And so there was this power play going on. I think initially what Saudi Arabia felt was that this would affect Canada and the United States first. We would put our stuff into mothballs. We would be the first to blink. But two years later, other than not investing in new technology, we're still pumping and creating oil the way we had before. So if we aren't going to shut down, sooner or later OPEC was going to have to deal with it. But I do want to warn you, uh, they've had deals like this before in Mm. the past uh, eight years. And they announce them. All the stuff happens that you saw happen over the last couple of days, and then suddenly, 20 days later, 30 days later, oh, 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 we didn't need an agreement. It has to be ratified at the end of November. That's the time to watch. Of course, by the end of November, what's going to happen? Oh, oh, there's going to be a new president in the United States by that point. Who knows if a President Trump or a President Clinton has uh, been the president-elect, how that might make OPEC change. So, Good that we thought about it all, but I also feel a bit like the boy who cried wolf. Let's wait to see a little more of it actually happening rather than just go by the rumor. Well, you know what? I was going to let you go, but you just raised one more thing I got to ask then. Who, leaving aside all the other equations, all the other things that we may like or may not like about any particular political candidate in the States, does either Trump or Clinton bode better for us or have more of a direct impact on oil prices, do you think? Well, let me break that into two chunks. So on us, 
again, I'm sorry if people have had their, their choices, but President Clinton would be better for us than President Trump, and it's only because she is much more predictable. It would be a continuation, really, of the Obama legacy. She'll tweak it and change things on the margin, but all the things that, that have been done under President Obama would continue under a President Clinton. That's nice and predictable. The problem with the Trump presidency is we just, we just don't know. You know. Is he going to build a wall? Is he going to kick out Muslims? Is he going to uh, uh, renegotiate NAFTA? And these other, we just don't know. He says these things, but honestly, we, we just don't know if it's true. So uh, if he was elected, expect turbulence on the stock market. In terms of oil prices, both of them have the same goal, and that is continued self-sufficiency for the United States in oil. So they would continue the development. He might allow some pipelines. He says he'd get the Keystone XL started again. I mean, I don't know how true that would be. It's a nice thing to say. So I don't think it'll have much price effect on the price of oil, but certainly from an economic standpoint, more stability under Hillary than Donald. Marvin Ryder, always appreciate you doing this to, uh, this in the evening with us. Thanks for spending some time tonight. Anytime, Scott. Take care. Uh, interesting stuff. I mean, listen, we can we can we all have our thoughts, and I think most of us share the same thought that Marvin alluded to. And that is that when anything happens in the world of oil, the gas companies are really, really quick to raise the prices. And that's what's happening tomorrow, is that nothing has actually happened yet, but there's been a lot of talk that something might happen, and so prices are going up. And we all feel that they are really, really slow to respond in a way that lowers the price when things unhappen, shall we say. So we will see, because this is a crystal clear example, based on what Marvin Ryder just described, that you have talk that something is going to happen, and boom, instantly prices go up. But if in the next few days we see this deal, this discussion, fall apart, presumably then we should instantly also see prices go back to where they were. We will see. Are you confident that will happen? Me neither. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.